Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Boundless Gamers podcast. This is episode 47. My name is Mike, and joining me once again is the one who will bring balance to the force, famous archaeologist, Indy. Hi everyone, how are y'all? Oh, I'm hot. Yeah, me too. And I have central air in here now, but can't put it on during the podcast. All that lovely sound. And I forgot to cool the room down. So, and my thing yeah. is just it's it's the south and uh, my office never really cools off very much because it is on the front side of the house and the sun beats on the front side of our house um for a good bit of the day. So, mm. I'm stuck. Yeah, I just got to deal with the heat. All podcasters know the pain that we are dealing with right now, but it's not that hot. It's only 75 right now. But when you're in a room with the window shut, gets warm quick. Yeah, there's a different feeling between hot and moving air and hot and no air is moving at all. Anyways, <laughs> thanks, guys, for uh, joining us for this episode because it's a very special episode sure you saw the thumbnail this week we're gonna be talking about i don't know if you can hear that Mm, i can't hear anything you don't hear that the lightsaber oh you're gonna hear it in the recording so oh i hear it now oh hang on now i'm jealous i gotta turn mine on now oh you got one too oh i have vader's Okay. Right, wait, how about this? Turn yours off. Turn yours on, then I'll turn mine on. Like, we're about to have a fight. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Okay. There you go. By the way, this lightsaber, I'm banging into all kinds of shit, so I apologize <laughs> for that. Uh, this lightsaber was sent to me by Jacques. It's one of those ultra sabers. It's Revan's hilt. They call it the butcher saber on the website because they can't say it's Revan's lightsaber because they would get in trouble. But it's it's basically his. It's one of his designs, actually. I think it's one of his earlier models. Well, the problem with Revan is, depending on the artist, the lightsaber can look a little bit different. So this is yeah. one of the designs. I know Hasbro released the lightsaber... Not that long ago, and I'm not too crazy about that one, because it's based off the old Republic MMO, Revan. And if you know anything about me, I don't like Revan in that, so (laughs) (laughs) we're not going to get into that right now. Uh, But yeah, going forward, I think at least once a month, we're going to have a special themed episode. So this month it's Star Wars, because it's May, and by the time you're hearing this, it's uh let's see it's going to go up on Thursday and I think that's May 26th, right? The day before Kenobi. Perfect timing. I mean, yeah. it makes sense. We're here to get you hyped, guys. No, well, they're hyped after hearing our lightsabers, but I do worry that <laughs> the sound's going to be a little too loud. <laughs> I may have to modify it a little bit so it's not <laughs> blowing people's eardrums out, but yeah, this thing is pretty damn loud, so 
Uh, just give me one second, Indy. I'm going to put this lightsaber away because I'm going to be playing with it too much if I have it next to me the whole time. Yeah, I um, I got a wall mount for mine. I have um, the Disney World exclusive um, Vader Force FX lightsaber. Mm. Um, and I don't remember exactly what the difference is between the Disney World exclusive and the one that was like the Black Series one. I want to say this one has... Um, like just finer details to it, or there, there's something that's different about it. Like they, it has more. Um, I think it's just the different materials it's made out of. I don't know. I just remember that when I was doing a lot of research as far as which one I wanted to be my first one, as far as nice ones go, it had to be Vader, hands down. So that now hangs on my wall behind my monitor. Can't go wrong with the lightsaber. If you're a Star Wars fan. You really should have one somewhere in your house, whether yes. it's mounted in the closet. I don't care. Just have one. And by the way, uh, the Revan lightsaber I have, it's purple. Jacques didn't send me the red one because he knows uh, I love the color purple. And a lot of Revan fans associate the purple lightsaber with Revan more than the red one or his uh, green one he eventually uses. And I think he also used a blue one. So, so he's had four different colors. Yeah, he has. Which is nuts. Well, since this is going to be our Star Wars episode, we're going to go into all kinds of expanded lore that people may not know about. Um, I'm not sure what the canon reason is for a purple lightsaber anymore, but Mike, do you remember what the canon reason was for a purple lightsaber? Well, I know the movie reason, and that was when Samuel Jackson was picking his lightsaber and George Lucas... <laughs> He asked for a purple one. He told him, all right, here's the green one or the, the blue one. And then Samuel's like, can I have purple? And George is like, yeah, yeah, we can do purple. <laughs> Can't say no to Sam <laughs> so Jackson. So, yes, that is the uh, design reason. Um, but um, I'm not sure what the canon reason is anymore. I know so much about Legends, not so much about canon at this point. But the I think it was the original reason was that purple lightsabers are kind of caused by Jedi who can channel the light side and the dark side. Part of what made Mace so dangerous is because he had adapted a certain form of lightsaber combat that took a dark side user's power and literally flipped it and turned it against them. But in order for that to happen he had to kind of give into the dark side a bit as well, but he wouldn't let it control him. So those that wielded purple lightsabers kind of skirted that line. Not like gray Jedis where they just did, you know, whatever they felt like they needed to do at the time. Right. But it was very much so a blend of light side and dark side. And most people that walked that route wound up being dark Jedi, which is why in KOTOR you see so many dark Jedi, not necessarily Sith, but dark Jedi wielding purple lightsabers. I believe the thing Mace Windu was using was called Vaped or Vapod or something like that. Yes. Yeah. That's what it was. And that's how he was able to beat Papaltine. And I know fans yeah. are, like, debating for the longest time, saying, oh, but did Papeltine really get defeated? Maybe he just threw the fight. But George Lucas flat out says he lost, like, in the director's cut of Revenge of the Sith, I believe. I think that's where he says it when you're watching. Not the director's cut, I'm sorry, the uh, commentary version of the movie when you're listening to them talk. He says that. It's in the novel as well. 
Yeah. He's more powerful than Yoda. Maybe not in force power, but when it just comes to, like, fighting, he has more stamina than Yoda. And he has, of course, the Vapad thing that he used on Papeltine, so... Yeah, that was his big advantage. Um, I do wonder if, you know, everybody's writing all these fan fictions or theories that Mace is still alive and it's going to come down to a Mace versus Vader fight at some point. But canonically, I don't think that can happen unless Mace is just a shell of who he used to be. Now, they have said that by the time we get to A New Hope, Vader is way more powerful than Anakin was at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Right. But Mace, I I feel like Mace would destroy Vader just because of that ability. If he can beat the Emperor. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, Vader can't touch him. Let all the fans bicker and complain. I don't know if I want Mace back, though. It's... No. I know Samuel Jackson wants to come back, and I mean, the way Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm is like, yeah, you know, we're going to bring all these characters back, and the latest thing out of her mouth is we're never going to recast classic characters again. First off, way wrong thing to take away from Solo, because the casting for Solo was fucking great. You couldn't have gotten anybody better to play a young Lando Calrissian. Han is debatable, but... If you're going to continue the Skywalker saga and tell these different stories, eventually you are going to have to recast them. Or do the whole digital face thing. I'm so tired of that, though. Like, I mean, it's cool, but even watching The Mandalorian, Luke looks so stiff. You can tell that they are having to limit his movement (laughs) so that way they can do what they're doing. I know they have that new guy there, the deepfakes guy from YouTube, because they hired him when yeah. he put up that video on his YouTube channel where you know the finale of The Mandalorian where he they reveal Luke. Sorry, spoilers, but I'm I'm sorry, I'm just gonna say this real quick before we continue. If you guys have not finished the book of Boba Fett or The Mandalorian, you might not want to listen to this because I know we're gonna get into it at some point. Yeah, but I wanted yeah. to go ahead and give the spoiler warning. Uh, Mike, go ahead and continue. But yeah, the deep fake guy, he did a 10 times better job than what Disney did. And when that video went viral, Disney just hired him on the spot. So I'm yeah. sure the Luke you're seeing in the book of Boba Fett is his work. And I, you know, I love when like artists do something online and then that company goes out and hire them because the same thing happened for uh, Detective Pikachu um, when they brought all those Pokemon into the real world. There was an artist who did um, like a concept of what these Pokemon would look like in the real world and they hired him as a consultant for that movie. But since we're talking about Luke, we actually have a few questions that people have asked us. Um, big shout out to Haley from two piece. Cause she gave me a laundry list of questions, just rapid fire. And I was struggling to keep up with it cause it was in the <laughs> middle of her stream. Um, but she had a question for us and that was, do we like what Disney did with Luke and the direction they took in the last Jedi and, um, rise of Skywalker. Do you want to answer that first? 
or should we both answer it at the same time? Okay, so I'll I'll just answer this yes or no, and then Mike, you can answer yes or no, and then we'll elaborate. How about that? Works for me. My answer is no. I don't like what they did. Hard no. Okay. Hard, hard no. And I was willing to accept it because I wasn't one of those guys where, oh, when you saw Luke throw the lightsaber over his shoulder, that's it. It's done. No. Yeah. I, I continue to watch the movie. I continue. I'm like, okay, let's see. Let's see. Let's see why he's a hermit on this planet and doesn't want to be bothered. I, I kept giving it a chance and giving it a chance. But then when it got to that flashback scene with Kylo, that's where it all fell apart for me. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Not after what happened it's in the original so trilogy. funny no. that you brought that up in particular, because I was scrolling through Facebook today and I saw a meme and it was actually talking about that scene. And it showed him in Return of the Jedi saying, I cannot kill my evil father who's done all of these horrible things because there's got to be some light left inside him. And then the bottom panel was him, like, got his lightsaber up above his head about to kill Ben. He's like, this fucker's having a bad dream. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's that's kind of, um, that's that's it. Yep. Yeah, he went so out of his way to find the good in his father that he went to the Death Star was basically willing to sacrifice himself to get the good to come out of Vader. Like he's dying as the emperor's like shocking him. And he, and then Luke was right. Vader, you know, stopped Palpatine, threw him down the shaft and all that. Here's the thing that really annoys me. The counter argument is, well, people change in 25, 30 years. And my counter to that is yes, some people do change during that span of time, but there's certain things that don't change. Massive life moments. Things that happen to you that is going to stick with you. Like, do you think the people who went on the beaches of Normandy, they, they uh, forgot about that or just right lived on and just didn't think about it ever again? No. Luke did the Death Star attack in the first movie. Then in The Empire Strikes Back, he had that Massive encounter with Vader. And then in the third movie, Return of the Jedi, he, well, I was just saying, went to the Death Star and tried to find a good in his father, all that. All these insane, crazy moments. And there's plenty of other moments throughout the entire trilogy. This shit's going to stick with you. It's not going to leave your mind. So he knows that he found the good in his father, that the fact that he even thought about it, that's the problem. It's not even the flashback scene itself. Like, the scene clearly shows that he's been thinking about it for a while. I don't think he was just going in there to kiss him goodnight. <laughs> and then he right. felt the I mean, dream. It, so he was thinking about this for quite some but time. But at the same time, though, it made no sense for him to be in that tent. I mean, even when he's not fully trained, he's hanging from the bottom of Cloud City with his arm cut off, and he's able to reach out to Leia, and he can sense Vader on a Star Destroyer and pinpoint, yep, he's on that one. And you're telling me he has to be within two feet to sense what Ben is dreaming about when he's a Jedi Master? I'm, I don't buy it. Not to mention all Jedi in their training feel the temptation of the dark side at some point. I'm pretty sure Yoda right. and Obi-Wan told him that. Well, hell, even Luke struggled with it because if you read the novel or listen to it for Return of the Jedi, when he's going like ape shit on Vader, he's not 
a light side user right now. He's like fully immersed in the dark side. And the only thing that snaps him back is the emperor walking up being like, good. He's like, oh shit, what did I just do? The only way they, I don't even think they could fix it, but maybe they can get some people to be like, oh, okay, I can kind of understand why he was like that. Kylo had to have done something horrible. Really, really, really bad. Something worse than what Anakin did in the temple. For him to go into that tent. Yeah. In that moment. To do that. Or to even think about doing that. So, that's the only possible way. Unless they retcon everything and they're like, you know what? That's just a different say, timeline. Yeah. For, for that's, good, they're going to have to retcon The Last Jedi in order for that to be the case. Because when he's telling the story, he says that he could just sense something was wrong. And he just he had a fleeting moment. So for him to have done something horrible, I doubt he'd let that fucker go to bed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. See, I, I can't help you, Disney. I tried. <laughs> No, I mean, there is a theory that if if you've seen any of Rebels, which I'm going to go ahead and preface this by saying I have not watched all of Rebels, there is a scene where Ezra pulls Ahsoka through like some kind of mirror. I don't know exactly what happens, but Ahsoka, the, the theory is there's two different timelines. There's a timeline where Ahsoka gets killed by Vader, and then there's a timeline where Ahsoka gets saved by Ezra. And the the Force Awakens and everything that happens in that timeline is the timeline of where Ahsoka gets killed and things played out that way. And then what we're seeing in the Mandalorian in the Book of Boba Fett is when Ahsoka gets saved by Ezra. I would like to believe that that's what's happening because I would love for Disney to just say that, you know, they fucked up with their trilogy. It's now a separate timeline and we're going to continue down this road. And then they just go and try and recreate their version of the heir to the empire trilogy, which it seems like that's the road they're headed down with Ahsoka asking where Thrawn is. Um, and we'll get to that in a bit, but I just, I don't know. I long short of this little tangent is no, I don't like what they're doing with Luke. I also don't really approve of how Luke is in um the in the book of Boba Fett when you see him and what he's doing with Grogu because um when you if you've read Heir to the Empire or listened to it Luke is he he does train people but he never is this stiff about it like he's very understanding about what you're struggling with um, he's training people who do have attachments. He's training Leia, even though she's married to Han and has kids. So his philosophy is instead of saying like the Jedi fucked up and, you know, they allowed Darth Sidious to come to power. His thing is Jedi should be encouraged to love and that they are allowed to have attachments because Vader's attachment to his kids is ultimately what brought him back. So he sees the benefits. So he creates a new generation of Jedi with a new code, not what we're seeing now. I wasn't a big fan of the lore from those books, but that is one thing I did like. I like the whole code change and he was going to do things different. He was going to allow them to marry and all this other stuff. I, I really, I really like that whole thing they came up with. But in the show, I actually don't mind Luke in the show, but I, I can see that issue. Uh, yeah. 
yeah, it's it's definitely better in the books when it comes to that stuff. Uh, now, real quick, I just want to mention uh, this episode. We're going to talk a little bit about some games here and there. And we're also going to go away from video games as well. This is a mix. This isn't one of our typical episodes where it's all about gaming. We're the boundless gamers, so it's boundless. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> and I'm sure we're going to have a mix of topics that um, Mike wants to talk about, and then I'm going to want to touch on a couple things. Um, one of the things I am going to touch on real quick, just because he got brought up, and it's another question that we had. Um, again, this one's from Haley, and that is, what is your favorite Star Wars character? Um, reason I bring that up is because we were just talking about my favorite cut of um, Star Wars lore that has to do with Grand Admiral Thrawn, who is 100% my favorite character in all of Star Wars. Reason being, he he works with the Empire, but you never really see somebody in the Empire kind of be competent. Like, they always have this one design flaw that just fucks everything up or whatever. Thrawn, in the canon right now, and what he was in the um, Heir to the Empire trilogy, is a tactical genius that regularly beats the Rebels. If you don't know him, go look up some of the lore, read his current books, or read Heir of the Empire. Whichever one you decide to look at, you were going to love that character just because he's very much so like a um, uh, Professor Moriarty um, in Star Wars. So I'm just going to go ahead and answer that question. That is my favorite character. Um, and I don't think it's any surprise who Mike's is, but I'll let him answer that. It's Revan. I just turned his lightsaber on. <laughs> like I said, not much of a surprise, but... I mean, some days I feel... Like Kray is my favorite Star Wars character because when you compare the two characters, in some ways, I do think Kraya is better. I think she's more interesting. I think she's uh, she is definitely more interesting. I will give you that. I like characters that kind of hide behind their cloaks and they're very mysterious and you don't know everything about them. Yeah, I guess the same thing could be said about Revan, but. There's a lot of mysterious characters in Nice Zero Republic, so I guess I like all of them. So, <laughs> Well, here's the cool thing about Kreia. Um, you know, she was probably the first, you know, in the timeline, character to play both sides. And I don't mean play both sides like how Palpatine did, where he was playing both sides against each other just so he could be Emperor. She played both sides because her end goal was to cut everybody off from the Force. She hated the Jedi... She hated the Sith, and she was tired of both sides just constantly fighting, and she wanted to put an end to all of it. So she was trying to just be like, you know what? No more Jedi, no more Sith, nobody knows anything about the Force, just go live your lives. It goes even deeper than that. It's not that she just hated the Jedi and Sith. She did. Towards the end, she really hated them. The thing she hated the most was the Force itself. Yeah. Like, you can find quotes of her talking about it. Like you were just saying, she was trying to figure out a way to sever the connection from everybody. And that's what, why she was using Nihilus. Um, she even taught him the ability to devour planets, basically. 
but her goal was never to like destroy all the life on those planets. She was trying to use him to no. kind of like as a vacuum cleaner just to suck the force up and separate the two. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case because his ability just takes everything. It sucks all life. It kills everything in sight. So, yeah, she hates it. Absolutely hates it. She believes that it's constant struggle between balancing itself. It just lays waste to everything around it and it doesn't care she also believes that there is some sort of a intelligence behind it she doesn't 100 percent say that but there's a lot of little hints throughout the game where she's kind of mentioning some yeah. sort of thing pulling strings behind the curtains and there's also that theory that something took over nihilus some fans believe through the process of her giving him this ability and going down some interesting paths to learn certain things, she opened a door to something and it took over Nihilus. So if you believe in the whole intelligence behind the force, something came through that door and took over Nihilus's body. Yeah. Kind of like a, a twisted version of the wills, um, which, um, if you don't go super deep into Star Wars lore, I, I don't think this is very well known, but I think George Lucas's original script it was supposed to be like Journal of the Wills or something like that. And what it is is that the the Force is actually this thing that comes from these beings called the Wills. So when they say the will of the Force, that's more or less what they're referring to. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what could have taken over Nihilus, some mutilated or twisted version of the Wills who's just always hungry and is consuming life. I recommend listening to uh, a YouTube video. It's just Nihilus audio. And if you really listen to it, it, all you hear is just screams, people screaming in the background faintly. And it sounds like some old forgotten language that's being spoken. Oh. The only one that can actually understand him is his apprentice because they they, they, uh, communicate through the force. But it's really creepy. Go listen to that. It, it it doesn't sound normal. It's it's like it's almost like the dark side energy is nihilist. Like yeah. So that, that's why I was saying the whole presence in him, like something possessed him and took him over. You kind of get that feeling from nihilist, which is very creepy, and that's why his character freaks me out a little bit. Oh, absolutely. He's, like, downright fucking disturbing, especially when, um, I forget her name, but his apprentice, like, starts talking about him and how she's, like, terrified of him. I, th- I think it's Ventress. Uh, no, Massage Ventress was Dooku's apprentice. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it's, um, no, no, it's Visus Mars. I think that's how you pronounce that's it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, he's, um, he's terrifying. And it's also kind of comedic, because when you finally fight him as the exile, when he has this whole, like, lore behind him, like, he's destroyed worlds, and this, that, and the other, and he's eaten the life force from other people, like, and I'm just a Jedi who's just now remembering how to reconnect to the force, and I gotta go fight him? Okay. She's immune, though, because she cut herself off from the force when the... Oh, that's right, she's, the, um... That generator thing exploded on Malachor. That's, she was, like, the only survivor, or at least one of the survivors, because... She disconnected herself. She is what Kreia wants. That's why I never understood the Revan novel. Um, uh, for those that don't know her, her I guess, Legends canon, you know, whatever, canon Legends name is Mitra Surik. And 
it's explained in KOTOR 2 that she is basically a force siphon. So she's able to reconnect to the force by using the force energy of those around her, but she's also can like completely disconnected herself from the force. So it's this weird loophole where she's able to fight Nihilus because she has no connection, but she's using the force energy around her. Yeah. But then in the Revan novel, she's able to go off and just kind of go do her own thing. And it's like, I don't know. It's, it gets confusing and it's weird by the way. Um, Cool parts, bad story, don't like how it ends. <laughs> the the thing about the exile, the force doesn't flow through her. Like, it doesn't flow through her body at all. The force, you know, that's in everything that's around, yeah. you know, like in the air, whatever, plants and everything, she can just command all of that around her. That's the reason why Nihilus can't uh, force drain her. There's no force in her. That that was her advantage. That's that was the way of the force balancing itself out. Oh, gotcha. She's not the only one though. There's two other characters in Night Zero Republic Two that are not affected by Nihilus's ability, and that's Darth Sion, because there is a deleted scene or something they removed from the game that's in the uh, PC fan patch. They found it. They huh. put it in there. Uh, Sion and Nihilus are argu- arguing on his flagship. And well, it's mostly just Scion yelling at Nihilus. You don't hear Nihilus. And Scion basically just says, all right, I don't need you anymore. And as he's leaving the bridge, Nihilus tries his ability, kills everything around Nihilus, even Nihilus's men and Scion's guards. Scion drops, then he gets right back up. And the third character is his apprentice. A little spoiler here about Vissus Mars. She's the only survivor on her planet. Her entire species got wiped out by Nihilus. Oh, that's right. And she was the only one there that survived, so she's immune to his ability. It's that whole, like, 99.9% thing where that little yeah. little germ still survives, that she's that little germ. <laughs> if you guys haven't noticed... <clears throat> um Mike is our old Republic expert, and yes. I am more so your extended lore Skywalker saga expert. <laughs> and to go back to that Revan novel that you were talking about, the reason why the Exile is so different in that is because it's written by the original Knights of the Republic writer, Drew Carption. Karp- I don't know how to say oh. his last name. Knights of the Republic 2 was not written by Drew. So... That's why when you read the Revan novel, there's almost no KOTOR 2 stuff in there until the exile shows up towards the end. He kind of felt like, well, I got to include this character because the exile goes and looks for Revan at the end. So what happens to the exile really pisses me off because the exile is like the most powerful character in that room. And that one part of the Yeah. And I was like, wow, Drew, you don't know the character. It's sad, but you don't. It can be argued that we don't really know what Revan was capable of before he got all of his memories back. I mean, it could easily be said that, you know, Revan was very fucking powerful. But once he gets his masks ba- or his mask back and everything rushes back, just he could overmatch Mitra. But I mean, when you take like you were saying with what she went through in KOTOR 2 and all these advantages that she has, when she goes up against the emperor 
it should almost nullify his abilities because the emperor in the Revan novel is basically what Nihilus was. So it's, it's kind of weird that they just kind of rehashed Nihilus and made him the main villain. And that's our Sith empire emperor. That ending of that book, which I won't spoil is terrible. Is absolutely terrible. I was like, what? This is how you're going to end it. Let me also say this. Me and Mike are not really happy with how that book ends, but it is definitely worth the read. It is a good book. It just has a ending we're not happy with. Okay. I'm going to cut you off there. it has plenty of good parts. It is a good book, and it's called Revan, the book. That's, it's called Star Wars, The Old Republic Revan. That's the name of it. But here's the problem. 60% of that book is not about Revan. I know. It's about Scourge. I like Scourge as a character, though. The book is called Revan. I'm not reading Lord that's Scourge, fair. okay? That is, that's 100% fair. I didn't buy this book just to read through massive sections of no Revan. Sorry. Now, nah, you know, I'll, I'll give that to you. That's 100% fair. But anyways, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan's coming out. Everybody's excited. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> I, I actually have high hopes for this. I, I do think it's going to be very good. It sounds like you have some doubts, though. Uh, I'm just worried about it not being dark enough because... There were some rumors yeah. that were saying, well, in the original script, it was very bleak. Actually, Kathleen Kennedy oh, said that. Oh, there's no said, rumors. This is confirmed. That's right. She said that, that the original script for it was too bleak, and they wanted to add a little bit more hope in there. And I'm like, oh, God, no. Yeah. This is not a nice time. During no. episode three and four, there's a lot of dark shit happening. And what's going on with Obi-Wan in the show is with the Inquisitors and all that. I, I don't expect it to be, oh, this is all kitty. And, uh, no. That reminds me. I saw another thing. I mean, it again, we have high hopes for Obi-Wan. But every time I see something that indicates Kathleen Kennedy was like, we needed to rewrite this or change this. I have flashbacks to the entire sequel trilogy like no what are you doing and the most recent one that i saw that stressed me out is that the person who's playing the grand inquisitor said that they deliberately did not watch any of rebels because they wanted to bring a fresh thing to the character i'm like but it's 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 you've you canonized it there's no refreshing a character who's been established in your lore do your fucking research hell Hayden went back and watched all of Clone Wars and Rebels and binged it so we could catch up on what his character has been up to. And you can't go watch the snippets of this character who existed partway through Rebels because he dies in Rebels. You don't have to watch the whole show. Spoilers. (laughs) Sorry. Again, Uh. spoilers on everything Star Wars, guys. So... If you have made it this far, I don't apologize because you should have caught on by now. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I have my worries. They're in the back of my mind. 
But I feel good about the show, though, at the same time. I, I, I like the stuff I'm seeing in the trailers. But I do, too. It's, it's trailers. You know, they could edit it in a way where it looks really good. And then you watch the show and you're like, what is this? Here's my main reason for being worried. Articles on development aside, whether it's the rewrites or, you know, we didn't watch anything about this character. It's the fact that this story has been written twice. There was one called um, Dark. I think it was like Dark Lord Rising, which was it tells the story between three and four. It's the rise of Darth Vader. And at the very end of that book, they cover Obi-Wan realizing that Darth Vader lives. He sees a hollow vid of Lord Vader and he realizes what Anakin has become, that Anakin is alive. And he basically passes out in a canteen and asks for water. And everybody's like, what is wrong with him? Or no, he asks for water when he goes in, sees the hollow vid, and he's like, give him a whiskey. His his stuff is on me. He's he's not okay. And then there's a book called Obi-Wan that, that covers a lot of that. So this is kind of deja vu for me where it's like, okay, you have existing lore already and you want to redo it again. You, you, you messed it up the first time. Are you, <laughs> I don't want you to fuck it up again. Do you get Fallen Order vibes a little bit when you watch the yes, trailers? Yes, very much so. I thought so. so I, I was like, hmm, looks like you're borrowing some stuff from that game. Which I'm, I'm not against. No, I love Fallen Order. And that leads me to my next question. Do you think there's a chance Cal Kestis could pop his head in real quick in this show? Because it takes place five years after Fallen Order. And here's, here's the thing. Spoilers. I gotta say this again. Spoilers. If you haven't beaten Fallen Order, mute this part right now. At the end of Fallen Order, he got away from Vader and the Inquisitors and got that holocron. Do you really think Vader's just going to let that go? Right. He's not going to be like, well, I guess that one got away. All right. Back to whatever the hell we were doing before. <laughs> no, he, he is sending every single Inquisitor after Cal to get that holocron back because he doesn't know if it's destroyed or not. He doesn't know. Unless he senses it. Through the Force, I don't know. But even then, I still think he'd want Cal Kestis' head. So I, I'm still holding on to the theory of maybe they're chasing Cal in the show and Obi-Wan gets involved. Yeah. Um, do I think that there could be a connection? 100%. Because I want to say that they have mentioned that there is going to be a possible connection between Obi-Wan and Fallen Order. Which you mentioning that holocron reminded me of the Darth Vader comic because I'm wondering if the holocron from Fallen Order is the same one that Vader had to kill Jocasta New for. Which, for those that don't know, Jocasta New was the I, I, I call her a bitch just to be straight up. She's the one that was like, if a planet doesn't exist in our records, then it doesn't exist. Just pompous and arrogant and blah 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 blah. blah. Oh, you're talking about the Jedi librarian, yes. Um, in the Darth Vader comic, after Order 66, she goes back to the Jedi Temple because that holocron that contains the names of all of these uh, Force-sensitive children is in that library. 
and Vader finds her there and takes that. I, I don't know if remember if he took the holocron, but I remember it was a fight over that particular holocron. So the fact that Cal has it now, when you're saying he's going to send everybody, that is a hundred percent going to be the case because if you guys have looked at the Darth Vader comic at all, he is so in like engulfed in the dark side. The stuff that he does in that comic. He is flat out fucking evil in ways yes. that you guys have not mm-hmm. seen before. Mm-hmm. So to think about what I know he's done in those comics and what he did in that comic, he flat out killed a clone commander who did a great job in that particular line just because he realized, holy shit, this is General Skywalker. And as soon as he called him out, he fucking killed everybody who knew. Like, every single clone that was with him died right then and there, because that he is not Skywalker anymore. And I also feel there should be another Jedi in this at some point, even if it's brief. I just feel like yeah. Obi's going to need a little help at some point. And Cal's already taken out an Inquisitor. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I could just see them crossing paths in one episode, and then they split. I don't know how that's going to go, unless, like, Cal shows up, and then... Obi-Wan, like, like they have this moment where Obi-Wan's like, you have to go. Like, I, I have a reason to be here. I can't come out there and help you do this. Let's just say they are chasing Cal, and that's what, where the show's going. And Cal, like, makes his way to Tatooine, and Obi-Wan's like, ah, shit. And another thing from the trailer I, I, I recognize, at least in the first trailer, the teaser, where you see the Inquisitor touching the wall... There's Jedi carvings on the wall. Somebody was sitting there carving Jedi symbols and stuff on the wall. Do you really think Obi-Wan did that? Do you really no. think he was stupid enough to just write a signature on the wall basically saying, hey, I was here? Yeah, I think they're going to expand on the Inquisitors a little bit because, I mean, a lot of the fan base hasn't watched Rebels. I mean, let's face it. Rebels is very much so a kid's show. It has moments that are, you know... They could make any fan happy, but for the most part, they are kids shows. So not everybody in the fan base knows about the Inquisitors outside of Fallen Order. So mm-hmm. I think this is going to be a retelling of basically what the Inquisitors are and things like that. And you're, I, I think you're going to see scenes where Inquisitors are hunting down other Jedi, and you'll probably find a crazed Jedi or something like that at some point. What they're probably going to do is just dedicate one entire episode for the Inquisitors. Yeah, I would imagine the first episode is going to be world building. Like, this is the tone of the show. This is what you guys can expect. This is Obi-Wan's life right now. This is what the Empire's up to. And then things will kick off for the last five episodes. And then with the final episode, that's when Vader's going to show up. Yeah, and I mean, and there's also a lot of talk about there's going to be a lot of flashbacks to Obi-Wan and Anakin fighting in the Clone Wars, which I'm hoping happens, because I really don't want to go five episodes and then get to the sixth episode, and now we see Hayden Christensen back as Anakin and Vader, and like, I just don't want it to be this whole like cheap build. It was like tune in every week to get a glimpse at Vader because Disney does this thing that pisses me off with everything that they do. It's like Vader's coming, Vader's coming. And then you just like, you keep getting glimpses and then he's just, he's there at the end. And you mentioned if Cal finds him in Tatooine, I just wanted to mention this. It is going to be incredibly funny if Cal finds him on Tatooine 
Cause just because of the sheer amount of people who fucking find Obi Wan hiding on Tatooine. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't think Cal's gonna find him. I. I think what's gonna happen is we're assuming Cal's in the show. Let's just, yeah. Let's just say Cal's in the show. Right. We're gonna be way off though. Watch. Uh, I. I think Obi Wan's gonna find out that there's another Jedi running around on Tatooine, and he's gonna look for him. Oh, kind of like you gotta go, kind of thing. Cal is probably not aware that Obi Wan's on the planet. That would be the better way to go, because it, it'd be a bit of a stretch that Obi-Wan is presumed dead. He goes to Tatooine and to go into hiding, and then Cal finds him, and then Maul finds him later. It's like, how the fuck did Vader not find him? Like, if all these people can track down Obi-Wan, how the fuck did Vader never find him? But yeah, that's the only way I can see that going. Yeah. Is he, he goes and finds Cal. Well, he doesn't know it's Cal. And he's like, you gotta get the hell out of here. I'm going to get off world right now and they're going to chase me. And you're going to, then after that, you're going to have to get out of here like immediately because Obi-Wan goes off world. Um, which I'm really surprised that he does just because of his whole deal is protecting Luke. So the, to think that he's going to leave him kind of unguarded, I'll be interested to see what the reasoning is. It makes perfect sense when you think about it. The Inquisitors are showing, they're showing up on Tatooine. He's got to get them out of there. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that little tidbit. He, he's got to get their attention and then get off world and then they chase him. And yeah, maybe someone's watching over Luke besides uh, his foster parents. Maybe there's that'll another. be interesting. I also just hope that we get a little bit of Liam Neeson back as Qui-Gon. I think you will. I'd be surprised if we don't. I thought we were going to see him in, uh, uh, no, never mind. My bad. I'm, my mind's going somewhere else. I was thinking, uh, uh, the rise of Skywalker or last Jedi. I thought we were going to see like Obi-Wan and Anakin at some point, but that never happened. So I saw a fan edit that would have made me a lot more. Okay. With Ray, just obliterating Palpatine. Um, and it's like, what if when she's got her dual lightsaber thing is going, just walking up against the Emperor, you know, for whatever reason, now the lightsabers redirect lightning back. If instead of just that, behind her, you see the force ghosts of everybody just reaching out, giving her the power to actually do it. Instead of her just being this Mary Sue who just has all this power because plot. I suppose, but that still doesn't explain her lightsaber training. Um, the canon reason for that is that when the dyad happens and Kylo and Ray's, um, I guess thoughts merge, she absorbs all of his training and now she knows how to swing a lightsaber really hard. Like she's going on a fucking home run derby. But here's my counter. If both of their minds did do that and she has all of his, uh, training, right? Yeah. Copy paste. If that's the case, shouldn't she be fighting like Kylo? Same forms, everything? She's not fighting like him. No, she's swinging like it's a fucking pool noodle. So, that theory sucks. I know it's official, but that theory doesn't work. There's a disconnect for me there. So, something's missing. It's like they just kind of threw that together last second. Like, oh yeah, yeah, that's the reason. I guess we'll take that and we'll just segue into a couple of different questions. Um, Cause I got a lot of questions about sequels and how we feel about it. 
um, which one of them, I told you about this before the show started. Jim wants to know why Jim likes the sequels. Um, long story short, Jim, I don't know why you do, because I don't. I mean, this is not a knock on you, Jim, but everybody has movies that they like that aren't really that great. I'm not seeing now. It's all subjective. I'm, I'm, I'm not it is. saying what I'm saying is the real everything like what i say goes that's the official no that that's not what i'm saying but everybody has those movies i have batman and robin that that i don't that movie is considered to be garbage but i like and i have avp and that movie's garbage that's just garbage for me sorry i I don't but see that's (laughs) that's not one of my guilty pleasures yeah no it does yeah it does you're right everybody has those movies you can't sit there with a straight face and tell me that the sequel trilogy is perfect or flawless or it's great no. or that the, the story is well written. It's not. I think even Jim um, said that all three of the sequel movies are disconnected. They don't hundred oh, percent. There's just no way of defending that. Last Jedi does not feel like a sequel to Force Awakens, and Rise of Skywalker does not feel like a sequel to Last Jedi. It feels like three completely different movies just shoved into a trilogy. I have a metaphor for the sequel trilogy, and it, it, everybody I've told it to kind of agrees with me. Um, the sequel trilogy is the perfect metaphor for American politics. When you have a party change, a party change, a party change in power in the White House, you have four years of one president setting up all these policies, doing what he wants to do. He loses the next election. You get a new president. In this case, we go from JJ to Ryan. Ryan Johnson says, you know what? I don't like anything you did. I'm canceling all of your policies. So then Ryan Johnson spends the next movie or the next president spends the next four years doing his own policies while he's actively trying to retcon everything that happened in the previous term. And then he loses the election and then we get another party change back to the way things used to be. So now we have the next four years retconning everything that was done in the previous movie and trying to reinstate everything that was done before him. So that is the sequel trilogy in a nutshell, is each movie's trying to get rid of what the one previously set up for it. That is beautifully well said, and I never thought of it that way. <laughs> Thank you. That is insane, but you're right. that That is a good way of uh, putting it. Oops, why did Alexa come on? I didn't call for you, Alexa. (laughs) Shut up. Oh, now I did. Shit, I shouldn't have said that. What the hell were we talking about? Um, I mean, we were talking about the the questions I had. I mean, we were talking about why Jim likes the sequels. Ah, yes. Everybody has their niche. But the questions that I have on my list that were asked specifically about the sequels, and I'm just going to rapid fire. So, you know, I have a feeling we'll answer most of these just talking about the sequels, because those that have listened to this uh, podcast for the past year, because we are coming up on a year now, knows that we all have feelings about these movies. And that is, did you like Ray being a Palpatine? Uh, Why did Kylo deserve more? How do you feel about them basically wrecking hyperspace with blowing up a whole fleet by just torpedoing a ship through hyperspace at a fleet? Um, and how do you feel about them changing existing canon? I think what they should have done... Now, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. I want to 
make that very, very clear. I would not do this. But if we're into Last Jedi or coming into Rise of Skywalker and you need to have a plan, the thing I would have done in that situation to try to fix the trilogy is make her a clone. That would explain yes. how she's able to know all of these abilities, how to fight with a lightsaber and all that. And then there's another ray. And that's like the dark ray you saw in the trailer and you briefly saw in the movie where she sees that vision. That's the real ray. That would explain her abilities. It's just copied over into her. And that has happened in some Star Wars stories. I know in Force Unleashed 2, I was Vader about was to cloning, say, yeah. Uh, Starkiller, so. I was going to say, you're basically trying to make her star killer with that, which I am perfectly okay with. I think that fits perfectly. And to have Ray versus Ray, that works, which even in the last book of heir to the empire, I'm not going to spoil that book. Um, because I know there's a lot of people who have not read those. And I do hope somebody that listens to this goes and reads that trilogy. Somebody does get cloned and has to deal with that on the, in the last book. And, it's not uncharted territory, but every time it's done, it works. And it's usually a very good story. Now, if I was starting this trilogy from scratch, I wouldn't do that. But if we're trying to fix it, that's what I would do. I wouldn't have gone with Papeltine at all. Just completely ditch no. that idea. And it kind of sucks that we learn about this dark version of Ray, you know, the real Ray at the very end. But I think that would have been a better path to take. And it would immediately fix all of, not all of race problems, but most of race problems when it comes to her combat and her knowledge of the Force. Speaking of Palpatine and him coming back at Rise of Skywalker, can we just acknowledge the fact that at the third movie of every trilogy, Palpatine always has to be the bad guy for some reason? Yeah. I, I hate it. I think that a better way to wrap up the sequel trilogy, and honestly, it probably would have made me okay with it, is if instead of at the very end, you have Palpatine, there are two other alternatives that I would have accepted and honestly would have made me probably even love the movie, is if one, it was Darth Plagueis at the end that somehow he managed to do a force transfer of his self into something else. Cause he was the one who was working on that or my ultimate ending that would have just blown my fucking mind is if Darth Bane somehow comes back from the outer reaches and he's been doing force essence transfer since the rule of two is invented and he still exists somewhere and he comes back and that is your big bad at the end. Both ideas are better than just bringing back Papeltine uh, or clone Papeltine. I mean, it's a cop out. Yeah, they, they, they panicked. They didn't know what to do. They're like, oh, shit. Snoke's dead in the second movie. Um, and Kylo's character is not strong enough to finish this. What are we going to do? Um, which will actually let me answer another question. Um, one of the other questions that we received is why did Kylo deserve more? I will tell you why. Um, and not just because I like Adam Driver as an actor, 
but because Kylo Ren is based off of another character from lore before it was changed, which his name is Jason Solo, who eventually becomes Darth Cadus. And Darth Cadus's whole thing is he turns to the dark side because he has a vision of the galaxy being at war. And the only way he can see to prevent that is to assume complete and total control to prevent something horrible from happening. So he has this whole arc from Jedi to Darth to fighting his sister to killing Mara Jade, who is Luke's wife in um, Legends. It's it's a whole arc and it's amazing. But Ben Solo is the bastardized version of that character, and it should have gone so much better if they had just drawn more inspiration from that canon that they got rid of. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, does Ash love Kylo Ren? Yes, she does. What does she like about him? Um. <laughs> okay, so... My wife has a, a kink for villains, and she just likes, like, this energy that Kylo has about when he's intimidating, he's fucking intimidating, and she loves that also, cra- like, the crackling lightsaber. She loves that, too, which I must, I'm not going to lie, I, I'm perfectly okay with that. I like the idea that his kyber crystal is un, it's, it's kind of unhinged because it's cracked. The best thing about Kylo Ren is his lightsaber, uh, his appearance. That I dig. I have no issues with that, but it's just the Not main to mention, character. Yeah. They say his lightsaber design comes from a design that he found on Malachor. So it brings Malachor back in the canon. So I, I'm okay with that. I also like the fact that even though it's a bastardized version of it, he does, for the most part, embody Jason Solo. The only things I don't like about him is these weird fucking temper tantrums where he just goes off on a terminal or whatever. Like, they could have made him so much more intimidating. Like, he starts off intimidating by catching a blaster bolt in midair, holding it there while having a whole conversation, and then just lets it go. And everybody's like, holy shit, this guy's going to be a badass. And then, like, 30 minutes later, he's hacking and slashing a fucking computer because they mentioned that the girl got away. He's like, what girl? Like... Bro, stop being so fucking thirsty for a girl. You don't even know what they're talking about. And they hint that he knows what who they're talking about. When he said like when I watched that for the first time and he said what girl, I was like, oh shit, he might know who Ray is. Mm. But they they can't ever decide what is what at that point. But your original question is why does Ash like him? Um he's just foreboding and intimidating, I think. Okay, yeah. Uh, but to go back to Force Awakens, another thing that bothers me about that film, and, and it leads into Last Jedi, it's actually Last Jedi is where it really shows the problem. The whole map to Luke Skywalker thing. And the first film, they heavily hint, and they almost pretty much say without saying that Luke is the one that left the map behind. But then in Last Jedi, he's like, why are you here? Go away. And then they kind of completely forget <laughs> about the map. Yeah, like that whole... Yeah. Who gave the map to R2-D2? I mean, it had to have been Luke. It's just that the movie hints at Luke Skywalker leaving it to R2-D2. 
he left it just to say, okay, if something goes wrong, come and find me, and you can find me this way. But then things go wrong, and he's like, do you expect me to charge into battle with a laser sword and take on the whole first? I was like, bro, did you forget they're called lightsabers? Like, he's so reluctant to go back, it, it makes no sense. And even when you watch interviews with Mark Hamill, you can tell he did not like what they were doing with Luke's character. I actually saw a TikTok the other day of what he thought it should have gone as. In his mind, Luke did go into exile. Like, he could he could wrap his head around that. He doesn't like the fact that Luke gave up. In his mind, Luke never gives up. Despite everything that happens, he is somebody who always believes there is a way to win. But, hypothetically, if Luke had to go into hiding, like the direction they were taking it, what he wanted to happen is that Leia comes for him and then she runs into trouble and Luke senses it not that far away. So then he actually runs off to go rescue Leia and then meets up with Ray and Chewie and everybody and then learns what happens and then they bring him back for the third movie. Like Luke does eventually go off to go help. That's, there's a lot of questionable decisions in the sequel trilogy. But, you know, just to shift gears a little bit, what's some of the things you liked about this trilogy? Because I know we're pounding it right now. We're crushing it into the ground. Like, what what, what were the things that stood out to you? So I'll, I'll say this. My favorite movie out of the entire trilogy is The Force Awakens. And the reason being is because it actually reminded me a lot of, and, and I'll explain the connection here in a minute, is Knights of the Old Republic 2. And the reason I say that is because when you meet Finn and you meet Rey and, you know, they're these two radically different um, upcomings. And then you get to the very end where Finn picks up a lightsaber and then he goes and fights stormtroopers with it, gets his ass kicked, but then picks up a lightsaber and goes and fights Kylo Ren and actually holds his own. Granted, he loses that fight. But then Ray uses the force and gets a lightsaber. I got this idea that, oh shit, this reminds me so much of KOTOR 2 where anybody can be turned into a force user or a Jedi. And you could have this potential thing where they go off to go find Luke and they both become Jedi. But they wasted Finn's potential as a character and I'm not happy about that. But we're talking about things I do like. My favorite part, though is the character of Poe Dameron. I love... I'm a sucker for hotshot pilots. Um, growing up, my favorite movie was Top Gun, so I always have a soft, a soft spot for um, fighter pilot jockeys. So when Poe is flying his X-Wing and you have Snap Wexley and all these other characters like going on to go take on a Death Star, I'm sorry, I mean Starkiller Base, I loved every bit of that. So... That was my favorite part of those movies is the space battles. And then and even though it makes no fucking sense about how Ray goes to the Sith homeworld, which changes names constantly. It was called Exegol. And is it Exegol in um, Rise of Skywalker? And then it's called something else in the Revan book. Um, but they're based off the same thing. It makes no sense that Ben had to have this holocron to find Palpatine. Ray had to have this holocron to find Palpatine. 
But then you have this whole fleet of random ships, which I loved seeing because they brought in so many ships from Legends to fight this big fight. Um, that was cool to see all of those ships come in. That's going to lead to another issue I have, but I'm going to hold off on that <laughs> with that ending. Yeah, because they don't explain how this massive fleet of civilian ships and stuff like that. Like, you see the Outrider, which is Dash Rendar's ship in there somewhere. You see the Ghost uh, from Rebels. So there's all, kind, there's all kinds of throwbacks. And then you see Wedge for the first time in the entire sequel trilogy. Those moments are what I liked. And I'm going to stop there because I'm not going to go into a rant about everything I didn't like. Real quick, I'll just say I hated all those Super Star Destroyers that just magically came out of the water. I know Emperor brought them up, but... <laughs> like I said, I'm not going to go into what I didn't like. There's thousands of them with Death Star technology, lasers, whatever. That That's yeah. a whole other thing. I'm not getting into that. This is the good stuff we're talking about. I absolutely love BB-8. I think he's yeah. one of the better droids in the Star Wars movies. I, I know there's always R2-D2 and C-3PO. Those are the top two. I'd put him as third. I, I, I'm going to say that in the movies, just the movies. I'm not talking about oh, okay. the books. I'm not talking about the games. I'd put him as number three. I, I know there's other droids. I know there's IG-88 and, and all of that, but they're barely on the screen. I love how they went the extra mile with the sets. They actually built sets for this movie. This isn't the, the prequel trilogy where everything's green screen. Everything's green screen. The chair in the room's green screen. This is green screen. No, there's actually scenes in this film where they're actually in a room with blinking lights on the walls and stuff. You know, the scene where Kylo's going crazy, he's swinging his lightsaber. I don't like that scene, but I will respect that they did that in an actual room with old school blinking lights. And I, I really appreciated that about these movies. And I and I think there's moments in the film where it is the prettiest looking Star Wars movies. Right? Like some of the, the shots in these films are just amazing. Especially the scene when Holdo does the maneuver with the whole oh, hyperspace God. thing. Now I hate that. I absolutely hate that that happened. But you can't deny the effects of that scene. And the reason why I'm bringing that back is because I think we kind of skipped over that question. We didn't talk about the whole yeah hyperspace thing being broken. But it's funny. They actually had to address that in the next movie because they realized they messed up and they're like, oh, oh, that's just like a one in a million chance of that happening. Uh, so I'm just going to offer a counter argument as far as how that was shot. I did not like how that was shot. And the oh. reason why is because when they do that and the sound cuts and you just see this thing happen, I expected to see a cut of, like, four of the main characters' faces just pop up. Like, one after is like, boom, 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 and everybody has their mouth open. Like, it's an anime shot where the main character just did something awesome. It's like, this is an anime scene. This is... Y'all just put anime in Star Wars is the vibe that I got from it. So, that whole thing bothered me. Okay. But, That's continue. Fair. That's fair. Let's see what the hell else that I like. Now it's getting hard. <laughs> I only mentioned a couple things. I like the droid. <laughs> I, I okay. I like the idea for Finn. I like that there is a stormtrooper that became a turncoat okay, yeah. and left the, the, the Empire. 
the, uh, the first order i should say that's the same thing they're the empire again empire 2.0 <laughs> and that was cool I, I i was really interested in all that it's just a shame they didn't really do anything with finn yeah i thought they were going to do way more with that character but yeah, it is what it is I know there's more things in this trilogy that I like. Uh, it's not the Casino Planet. I was about to mention that. No, not that. Did you like the new design for the X-Wings? Yeah, they were okay. Yeah. I didn't have any issues with them. I'm trying to think of things that you may have liked, but I'm I'm struggling. I know you said you liked Kylo's lightsaber. Yeah, yeah, that that, that was really cool. I liked that it was unstable and all that. Uh, I, I liked Captain Phasma. I mean, I liked the way she looked and everything, but once again, they didn't do anything with the character. Snoke was interesting at first, but down the toilet. Uh, let's see, that, that throne room fight scene. I'm t- I was I was going to wait until you were done. I was going to be like, so can we address that real quick? Um We'll get to that in a second. I'll give you a little bit longer to find things that you did like before we talk about the thing that I think you and I hate the most. Oh, 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 ba- Babu Freak from Rise of Skywalker. You liked Babu? Yeah, he was cool. He's funny. Okay. I liked him. I did like 3PO starting to speak Sith because it's the first time in a movie where they address the fact that the Sith were a race before that they were like, mm. you know, the Jedi and the Sith. That is true. They don't say that the ra- the Sith were a race, but he's speaking Sith, so it's implied. Yeah, I didn't think of that. that that's That is cool. Anytime you give me a nod to... I mean, it's sad that it has to be a nod, because honestly, it should all be canon and so many of these stories should just exist and they should not be afraid to bring elements from the books into the mainstream Star Wars media but I digress I'll settle for what little bit of nods I can get I try not to go back to the bashing but it's in that scene when he looks at all of them and he's like I'm just looking at my friends for the one last time or whatever he's and I'm like wait a minute wait a minute I don't see Han, I don't see Chewie, I don't see Leia. You don't know these characters. I like the scene where they show R2-D2 watching Leia die. Just because R2 was there when she was born, and he was there when she's dying. It's an old fucking droid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) See, I I keep going back to the the bashing. I, I... that it's, scene should have happened, hard though. Too. Yeah, it shouldn't have happened because there was a scene in the Last Jedi where they could have killed off Leia's character when she gets sucked out of the. And honestly, that scene would have been so much more powerful to have Leia go out that way. I mean, honestly, that would have come full circle. Ben loses both of his parents and he killed one, but could not bring himself to kill the other and him having to live with that. That just. Yeah. yeah. That's what they should have done, because unfortunately it was terrible that Carrie Fisher passed. Yeah. While they were finishing up the movie, they could have went back and made some tweaks and and have the character die right there. That would have been a very powerful scene, but instead we got the 
cue the Superman music and da 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 da, and then she goes flying in space. I'm like, oh god. Well, I think the reason why they probably couldn't have left it like that is because I think, if I remember correctly, she passed away before the Last Jedi came out, so. I get why you can't send Leia off when Carrie Fisher passed away because of how loved Carrie Fisher was, and that would not have been a very ceremonial way to send off a character of somebody who just passed away, especially somebody as beloved as Carrie Fisher. That's a good point. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, you're right. But, I mean, if if we remove... I mean, like you said, if you remove what happens in the real life away... Um, from a narrative storytelling place, it would have been perfect to make that the catalyst that sends Ben Solo down the road that he goes. So, do we talk about the throne room? Yeah, or sure, why we... not? I guess all the positive stuff is gone. We didn't really have a lot to say. Alright <laughs> guys, this is, is going to be our last topic on the sequels. Um, it's bad. I, I've seen people say that, oh no, it's one of the best. No, Mm -mm. there are so many places where plot armor is so apparent. It's insane. There's a point where Ray should have died like two or three times, but the guards just decide, all right, I've got her in a lock. Um, what do I do now? The thing about that scene it looks cool when you first see it, but then when you think about it, or if you go watch it again, you start to see all of the problems with it. When the fight first breaks out, it's one shot. They did it in one shot, and I'm like, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Before they started, you know, cutting and everything, but... Yeah. But examine the fight scene, and you see a lot of issues. Like, yes. there's a part where one of the guards is about to take a swing at Ray. But then he, the actor realizes, oh, that's not my cue. He backs off and stops and stands, waits for Daisy Ridley to duck, and then he swings. Yeah, and there's also a part to where, like, I think it's like at the very beginning, like that opening shot where you see it's all one shot and they just like kind of swarm them. You see multiple of these like honor guards just spin away for no apparent reason. Like they weren't hit, they weren't pushed away. But because Ray and Kylo block all these blows, they just spin away and give them room. Like, oh god, the plot armor's so good, I I, I have to spin away with style. It's like choreograph. Okay, so I'll say this: there are times where that works. Um, a perfect example is the sword fight um, in Princess Bride between Inigo Montoya and Wesley. There are parts of that that I mean, if it was a real if it was a real sword fight to the death. It doesn't make sense, but because of the tone of that movie and the fact that they are playing to a degree of comedy that these guys are very sportsmanlike and they're not going to be happy with a cheap victory that they allow all these acrobatics, they allow you know Indigo to catch his sword out of the air before they continue the fight, that makes sense narratively. But in Star Wars, where it's this life or death situation where these guys are probably brainwashed to protect Snoke at all costs, that they just allow Rey and uh, Kylo to have these epic moments where they spin away for no reason or 
allow Ray to look down into her lightsaber and then look back at the guard and then drop her lightsaber and now all of a sudden she's free and can do this cool thing. It makes no fucking sense. Oh, I got one that's even better. When Kylo's fighting one of the guards, you see the guard throw his weapon away. Like, the actor straight up throws his weapon away. He throws it away. He, like, tosses it to the right. There's another one (laughs) like that. Um, It's towards the end of the fight, but Rey gets put in in some kind of arm lock, and the guy has two dual daggers, and he's got her, like, what the, her lightsaber arm is locked behind her back, and you'll see him get her in this lock, and he has the other dagger in his um, right arm, and in this lock, all he's got to do is just stab her in the back, fight's over. But you'll see his arm go behind Ray's back, and then when it comes back into frame, his hand is still on a fist, but his weapon is is gone. It's like it just got photoshopped out because they realized they fucked up. One positive thing I will say is that chain weapon, the whip. That was cool. That looks like a Mortal Kombat weapon. It does. It gives me hardcore Scorpion vibes. What about you, Mike? You done bashing on the sequels? Yeah, I, I am. I, I just, I can't go on. Well, I could go on, but we'll be here forever. <laughs> oh, so. we could go all night, but um, <laughs> maybe we'll do this with a part two where we we come at this again. There was a couple other questions that I did want to get to. Um, one of them was kind of, a, somebody genuinely wanted to know the answer to this question. Um, Ash posted in our Discord, um, what does Jabba do with all of his slave girls and like slave Leia? Um, and I actually know the answer to this question. It, it, it's kind of what you'd expect. I mean, they're there for entertainment. Um, he he makes them dance for him, and he actually loans them to his guests for his guests to do whatever the fuck they want to them or for them. In Leia's first night, um, actually, Leia's stay at that temple, I don't remember if it was over the course of days or if it was for a day, but Jabba actually gave Leia to Boba to do whatever the fuck Boba Fett wanted to do Hmm. with her. But even before the book of Boba Fett comes out and we learn that Boba Fett is actually this man of honor. I mean, like he, he has a moral compass of what's okay. What's not okay. Even though it's skewed, he gets paid to do unmoral things. When that happens, he does nothing to Leia. As a matter of fact, he tells her to not worry. He's not going to do anything. And Leia sleeps in the bed where Boba sleeps on the floor because he will not cross that line. What was this in? Which book? Um, I don't remember what book it was, but I, I watched a video. It was talking about Boba Fett's history from him coming up to him becoming Mandalore and going on and fighting in the Yusong Vong War. It was just the life of Boba Fett. It was like a two-part series, but that came up. I don't remember if it was in a comic, if it was in a book, but they covered that. And that was one of the things that Boba Fett did. And he just, he's not about that life. It makes sense. After watching the book of Boba Fett, that that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. And I, I just find it funny. <laughs> For whatever reason, and Ash can attest to this, because I'll just randomly say this on some days, but the fucking, like, when he's sitting there on the speeder bike trying to teach the sand people how to ride, and he just like, like a bantha. 
I throw that line out so fucking much when, like, I'll say how to do something, and Ash will look at me, like, fucking confused, and I'll just randomly throw that line out there and do the motions, just because I find it so funny. I died when that happened in the show, because Tim Ware Morrison is so happy with all of these animals and talking about these animals and to see him do that motion with that goofy ass grin, it still makes me laugh just thinking about it. So I have to do it every time she looks at me confused because that's what comes to my mind. (laughs) I actually, we have two other questions on here. Actually, we have three, but I didn't know if you had any other ones. Uh, Scurvy's. All right. Scurvy was asking who shot first. I'm going to be very short to the point about this. Um, original movie comes out. Han shoots first. They redo the special editions. George Lucas does not want Han Solo to appear as a killer or cold-blooded killer, so they made it to where Greedo shot first and Han shoots in self-defense. And then Disney Plus comes out, and then they add in McClunky. Um, which I think the other day I looked up what the fuck McClunky means. Cause like, why? Like I saw that and I actually got mad. I was like, why are you fucking with shit even more? Like, I remember having that attitude. A lot of people die in the star Wars movies. So Han Solo shoots Greedo in a cantina. Big freaking deal. McClunky is hut tease for this is the end of you. So there you go. If you're wondering what the fuck McClunky means. Uh, okay, so the other questions that we had um, were, what order do you think that the film should be watched in? What's your favorite movie? And what character do you identify most with? I think that they should honestly be watched in the order in which they were released. If you've never seen the movies before, yes, I agree with that. Once you've seen all the movies, then you can do the prequel trilogy, original, yes. the sequels. Yeah. Because if you watch the prequels first, and then you jump to a movie that was done in the 1970s with the technology they had at that time, it is not going to hold up for you. Which, I mean, even if you just watch A New Hope for the first time today, and you haven't seen any of them, it may still not hold up for you that well. I rewatched them recently, and I was like, you know what? A New Hope shows its age, like, big time at this point. But when you get to Empire and Return of the Jedi, they clean up very nicely. So you have to watch the originals to appreciate the prequels and then to hate the sequels. (laughs) (laughs) In that order. Um... And, uh, Mike, you kind of echoed my thoughts about once you've watched all of them, then you can do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I will say, once you've gone through them, though, like, if you go to the original trilogy, then you go Revenge of the Sith, I do recommend throwing in Rogue One once you finish Revenge of the Sith. Don't watch Rogue Mm. One, then do A New Hope. I agree. No, I agree. And then you can take it or leave it with Solo. That's entirely up to you. Favorite movie. Um, we're going to save which one you identify with for last, because I really like that question, and I feel like that could have a longer answer. Um, so, Mike, out of all of the movies that we've received, what is your favorite Star Wars movie? Well, years back, I used to say Empire Strikes Back. Um, 
a lot. Like, I would tell that to everybody. But not that long ago, I watched all the movies again. And I gotta say, I think I like Return of the Jedi more. Even with the Ewoks. Even with the Ewoks. (laughs) I mean, the Ewoks aren't bad. I mean, if you look at extended lore, the Ewoks are downright fucking terrifying. Because what they do to the Imperials before you catch up to the Rebels... I don't know how many people would have actually caught this because it's such a trope in movies now to see like your adventurers get caught and they're being um, put on the spit for like being roasted alive. Like so many heroes get out of that. You don't realize what's actually happening. Like you see it happen to Jack Sparrow. It's like, oh, he's going to get out of it. It's going to be funny. (laughs) You see it happen with Star Wars. They get out of it. I mean, it's funny, but there are plenty of Imperials who don't get out of it. And that is their fate. And the Ewoks are carnivores. They legit ate the Imperials that they caught. They stoned their enemies. You yes. saw a few scenes of them stoning the Imperial troopers. With that little piece of information, I encourage all of you to go watch Return of the Jedi again. And at the very end, where they're doing this really cool celebration, you know, the Ewoks are drumming in all the Imperial helmets. I want you to think about the bodies that used to occupy those helmets and just think that all the rebels are dancing while all these Imperials are probably being eaten. You're welcome. So on that note, my favorite movie out of all of them is probably Revenge of the Sith. For two reasons. Um, Actually, no, I'll I'll take that back. I'm going to give you three reasons. Uh, The first part is the, it's the opening scene. Like, the opening crawl and that transition to the Venator class Star Destroyer, them being over Coruscant, that music building, them flying. Anytime I get a new TV or a new monitor, that is the scene that I put on to kind of bench it and see, okay, what does this look like? Because to me, that is still one of the best space dogfight, air fight things that I've seen. I love it so much. Um, the second reason, to me, Anakin versus Obi-Wan is the best lightsaber fight out of all of the movies. It doesn't get better than that. And then the third movie is the score. There are so many pieces of music that give me goosebumps from that movie. Um, my favorite pieces being Anakin's Dark Deeds... Um, just because the last part of that song has been used in so many trailers, it builds up so much hype. And then just the theme for Order 66 with the clones marching up on the Jedi Temple, it gives me goosebumps every time I hear it. So the music alone makes me love that movie. Okay, okay. And Mike, I actually sent you a version of the Order 66 theme the other day. Yes. Um, There's a YouTuber that I encourage everybody to go listen to his music. If you're a fan of film scores or game scores look up samuel kim he's done what he calls epic versions of so many songs and star wars in particular always finds a place um he did a theme he did an epic boba fett theme before the book of boba fett came out and it blended three different songs together it blended um, Departure of Boba Fett from Empire Strikes Back. It blended um, some music from Republic Commando into it. And at the very end, it played the menu music for um, Star Wars Bounty Hunter. 
but all three of those pieces are integrated so perfectly that you think they're all part of the same song. It was really well done. I agree. It sounded amazing. I was like, wow, thank you for sending me this. I needed this right now. <laughs> um, definitely go check out more of his music. You you would love it. Um, the last question um, is, which Star Wars character do you identify most with? You could probably just skip me because I'm just going to pick Revan. I've talked about Revan <laughs> to death on this show. Just do your research about Revan and you'll know why. So it's not necessarily a character that I identify with most, but it's a scene that I identify with most. And me and Jacques had an episode um, a while back talking about burnout. And in that episode, we tackled a little bit of depression and it is something that I struggle with um, from time to time. And depending on which state of mind I'm in, no matter if I'm in a good mood, bad mood, if I'm depressed, this scene and the music that plays with it hits me every single time. It'll either give me goosebumps, it'll make me hopeful, or it'll just flat out make me cry. And it's, um, I think it's called Blue Harvest or Twin Suns, but it's the scene where Luke just kind of feels trapped on Tatooine. He can't go anywhere. He's struggling with it. And then he just walks up on the hill and he's watching the twin suns set. There are so many times in my life where I can identify that with that scene where you just, you feel trapped. You feel like you're meant for something more than what you're doing, but you can't find it. And you just have this, hopeful but melancholy music playing with it and then when it builds up to something else and it's just you hear the rest of the orchestra come in something about that song is just so powerful for me it hits me every single time and every single time it generates it brings whatever state of mind i'm in to the forefront for me every single time and just kind of helps me cope or deal or process whatever I'm going through at that particular time. So Luke in that scene, I identify with every single time because I can feel those emotions with him. And then the last Jedi happened and uh, your character was ruined. (laughs) Well, okay. So even in that scene in the last Jedi, though, we still have those twin sons and he's still watching that happen i mean it's not it's not half as powerful and i'm still mad at what's going on but i I still feel something watching that happen um (laughs) but i will point out a plot hole about that scene so we all know that he sees that and then it pan or the camera cuts to him being being behind him and you see him turn into a force ghost and his cloak just blows away in the wind and that's luke there's something that they fucked up on, though, that should have also happened. Luke has a mechanical arm. That arm should have fallen off, too. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, God. Yeah, don't get me started with that. <laughs> There's so many little things like that throughout the entire trilogy. Yeah. Till next time. Yeah, let's just save that for next time because I can go off on that alone. Yep, and we said we were done bashing on the sequels. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Andy, this has been really fun. I 
I love really this. Good time. Yeah, I had a great time with this episode. I, I think it's going to be fun now going forward. I think having a special episode every month just changes things up a bit. It's not that I don't like the other way we do the show. I, I love it. It's just I want to do a little bit more. Well, you know, I was looking at the calendar today. Um, this is going to go up on Thursday, um, like they always do. But it's also the last Thursday of the month. So yes. what if going forward, the last show of the month is our um, themed show where we just talk about a theme? That's perfect. There you go. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in this week. And don't forget to check out our social stuff. You just go down in the description below. There'll be a link tree down there. Hit that link and it will bring you to our social media pages. It's just all on one page. It'll all be there. It even includes our Discord, our Twitch page, everything. Everything you need to know is right down below in the description. Just tap that link. But uh, yeah, I'm, I see I'm starting to lose my voice because I forgot to bring a water in here. <laughs> and mine's been gone for the past like 20 minutes. Remember I said it was warm, so I'm just like melting as we speak. <laughs> so I want to get the hell out of here. But uh, <laughs> thanks again, guys. Uh, we really appreciate all of your support every week. Uh, can't thank you enough. Absolutely. And thank you guys for uh, the questions. Yeah. Keep them coming. You guys got questions? We'll bring them on the show all the time. We'll see you guys next week. But until then, my name is Mike. I am Indy. That sounded very awkward, and I don't know why. I am Indy. <laughs> <laughs> the way I started it, the way you said Indy, I don't know. The whole thing, that's off the rails. I know. It shit. felt weird when I said it. Um, so this ending's a train wreck, so let's just call it. Bye, guys. All right, bye. Have a good one.